Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation. You can find more great Texas Longhorn content at burntorangenation.com. If you like what we do, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Help us get the show out there. Share with your friends wherever you found it. If it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere you can find, find podcasts, you will find Gerald and I. Connect with us on Twitter at LonghornPod or shoot us an email at LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Now this week, I am your host and I have the privilege and distinct honor of wel- welcoming in our guest this week, Johnny Brashear. You probably know him uh, as Bitter White Guy if you follow him on Twitter, which you absolutely should, uh, or over at Barking Carnival, uh, where he covers uh, Texas men basketball recaps, usually about one or two a year. He'll let me sub in um, and give the B-team version of, and then uh, the uh, Pretend We're Football podcast that he does uh, with a few exceptional Longhorn commentators over there. So, Johnny, welcome in. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, we we this is actually the first show that we've ever done that didn't have uh, Gerald plus I uh, interviewing a guest. We've had one of us doing a solo show before for brief things, but never with a guest. So you are uh, you're breaking absolute ground here. I mean, when they look back in the annals and write these these history books, build little commentating or you know uh, UT historians uh, calling it out, you get to be you get to be a part of history today. So I just wanted to wanted to make that known out there. Thank you. I, I I would like to know why Gerald hates me so much. He invented reasons for me not to not to be on here with me. Um, that's a it's a terrible first impression. Uh, you know, no, thank thank you. I appreciate it. One of those grudges you uh, you take to the grave. No, Gerald is actually uh, expecting a a child in a few weeks and had some uh, had some duties required that uh, that kept him off of recording tonight. But we did want to get on and talk about uh, some timely things since we are uh, we are. Covering on a on a Monday night, we're recording this. You'll hear this on a Tuesday, but pretty recently after uh, this Sunday's uh, latest ESPN Sunday night special, the uh, Lance Armstrong documentary titled Lance. Um, so we can we can jump right in if you if you want to, Johnny. You're the you're the the expert, or certainly out of the two of us, the expert on all things uh, cycling. Uh, so, so what did you think of the Lance, uh, the Lance documentaries you've seen so far? Well, yes, I am the relative expert here, not the expert. Um, it, it, um, it, it's it's fun to watch this stuff because uh, you know there's um, there's a number of different angles to it that are, that are kind of fun. Um, one, growing up in Texas and being you know, closer to his age than, than a lot of people. Um, I, there's a lot of nostalgia in seeing, you know, very Texas scenes, um, uh, from when he was growing up. Uh, you know, there was a, I'm pretty sure that was Joe pool Lake. He had that true triathlon at, um, that they, they had some footage of the one where he, they, they forged his age so he could, he could perform, uh, or so he could race. Um, and, and, you know, you just kind of, uh, Lance has always been very interesting to me, um, in a lot of ways, you know, both just sort of his, his professional achievements, but also sort of the insane person he is coupled with this, you know, very Texas angle, um, of him being sort of, uh, a Texas favored son until he very much was not, <laughs> um, and very deservedly not. Um, and so, um, 
you know, you, you kind of combine that with the, uh, you know, sort of general enthusiasm I have for cycling and, and um, it's just sort of, it's, it's fun to watch this and kind of relive a lot of stuff or, or maybe, maybe not relive it, but um, just kind of view it through the, through a lens of hindsight where um, these, you know, people who, there were a lot of people, you know, myself included, who, who probably for quite a while thought, oh yeah, no, he's, he's definitely not doping. He's special. But the more <laughs> I learned about cycling, the more I've realized that that was an incredibly naive view. So, um, yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one to see just how extensively they, they get into the doping, um, because it is a pretty fascinating study. Well, and it's interesting, right? If you look at that that time, it was simpler times and where they kind of cut and drew the delineation between the two. He's kind of like the hero right now, right? Like if for those yeah. of you um, who haven't watched it, what do you do and listen to this podcast? Go watch it and then come back and listen to us break it down. But um, they basically chose to cut part one uh, after he comes back from uh, testicular cancer um, and does his rehab, gets back in and then miraculously in the 99 uh, Tour de France after a major doping scandal hits the 98. Lance comes in um, and just sets records with fastest ever. Comes in the remarkable story is the hero we all need. Truly simpler times, uh, you know, years and years ago. But but what we all needed to believe in and in the American spirit and indomitable uh, spirit and in, in what would eventually become Livestrong, which I guarantee they'll get into in the next one. But uh, um, it, it just felt like, you know, if, if, it, if there was no second half, I'm almost curious how big the, the mythos of Lance Armstrong would have been. If that was his career, if it was man, he came back and won and went out on top, you know, would, yeah. would without the subsequent winning years and the, the branding of the Lance Armstrong, then Livestrong, foundation and the bracelets that are going to you know talk about all of that um would it be as big a deal that this local you know austin guy uh had this remarkable story where he basically came back from cancer and won a tour de france that would be like an all-time great anecdote i wonder if we would we would know it if every person would know it and celebrate it and we would remember it 20 years later and we'd we'd have any discussion about lance armstrong or it'd be just a a singular feel-good story yeah, he's it's it's very much a you know a Hollywood script sort of thing. You know, it's a uh, Rocky on uh, steroids, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, and it's uh, it's he's just he's the the irony of Lance is that the zealousness with which he uh, defended uh, being clean and how hard he went after anyone who. Uh, even breathed a, a whisper uh, that he wasn't clean is sort of what led to his downfall. It's like he 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 went after people so hard and he was so vicious about it that when he got his, he really got his. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I they they may or may not show it in this uh, documentary. We'll 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 see in this this next episode. I think. Um, where people will talk about Lance and his general demeanor. And, and he, you know, um, there have been people who talked about, uh, you know, on the, on the heels of the, the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, where they talked about how he had to come up with grievances so that he did try and destroy somebody in the court, or he was, you know, super alpha guy and kind of an asshole. Um, and people are sort of trying to make uh, correlations. And, and what I would say is that uh, Lance was so much worse. <laughs> like, Michael Jordan was a guy who came up with a grievance to beat you on the basketball court. Uh, Lance, when he turned on people, he tried to ruin their life. Yeah, um, and and I, it wasn't just their careers. Like he he 
He was trying to blackball people from the entire industry. He was suing people to oblivion. Like he's he's not a nice guy in any way, shape, or form. And um, it will be interesting to see if they show just or they they get into some of the anecdotes about the way he was just merciless to people. Um, yeah. And so we'll we'll see. I, I I'm really interested to see if that that part starts to show up. They hinted only ever so slightly at it, and so that makes me think it has to be coming a bit. But they, I think one of his, his friend's wives, she, she basically said, you know, he was the only one who could say something to Lance without being cut off. And just yeah. like to say a statement like that is like a, astounding to not then give the – clearly I think that means they're, they're, they're saving some ammo, but, uh, uh, you know, it's alluding. <laughs> yeah, if they, if they, they've already had Tyler Hamilton on uh, a bit, and I imagine he will show up more. And if if you're interested in learning about – sort of the you know the 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 inside scoop of what what went on with the postal service uh tyler hamilton wrote a book called the secret race um which is really good it came out several years ago i don't, I don't remember when exactly um and he's one of the guys who first sort of really laid bare um what the culture was like the level of the doping how they got away with it how they you know kept a step ahead of people all of that kind of stuff is in there and 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 you know, he's one of the guys who who really sort of shone a light on just how you know borderline sociopathic Lance was when he decided he didn't like a dude. Wow, yeah, that's that's interesting. I think I, I just looked up the book came out in 2013, but still probably especially relevant right now. The way the Jordan rules, I think, sold out off the shelves when uh, when it got referenced on the show. I'm sure uh, some of these Lance uh, revisiting some of the the uh, the pieces that have built up to this will will be interesting to to check out. So one thing, Johnny, that I really wanted to talk to you about, and, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to have you on the podcast in basketball season to talk about that as well. But it was interesting that I found out that you have some some understanding where someone you know i would consider myself lay in this issue really may not but like you just alluded to with tyler hamilton they were doping obviously um but kind of how they did it why it worked why they were um you know why they were able to to get away with it why the drugs did work you know like uh um what do you think i mean educate us us lay folks here so i i think um one thing to, to sort of set the stage here is to understand just how small the difference is between um, the guys who win the tour and the guys who come in last. Um, they, these these guys at that level, because bicycles are such efficient machines, um, there's not a ton of difference at that level between the bicycles, for example. They, they might, you know, there might be a little bit of difference in terms of, uh, you know, how the frames are constructed. And, you know, sometimes when something comes out like carbon fiber, when that started becoming a big thing, that that makes a difference. But generally speaking, all of these teams at that level are working on very similar bikes. In in a way, it's sort of like NASCAR in that Mm -hmm. they have uh, rules and specifications and like minimum weight and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, um, so really the the difference becomes the rider in in a lot of ways and the uh the way cyclists uh the way cyclists are measured is in watts that's it's that's their power if if you ever uh see the you know watch the tour de france you'll see them pop up like the the watts that they are pushing and that's that is basically the amount of force applied to the pedal um and so uh the difference between the guy who wins a stage and the guy who comes in in the middle of the pack is about 1%. Uh, 
Like it's it's a very tiny amount of difference in terms of power output, um, and so um, the focus because these guys are all so similarly built and you know they're they're all, they have very similar profiles. Um, the the quest for marginal gains is massive in this sport, um, and that's where uh, the doping comes in, um, and and. They mentioned on the on the documentary that uh, what was it? They said that there was about a ten percent difference in um, in output for someone who was on EPO versus someone who was not. Um, and if you're talking about in a you know a, a three week race, one percent in each stage you know changes things, then somebody getting a ten percent boost is going to make a massive change right. in their their ability to to. Uh, to win the, the whole thing. Um, and also, uh, for years, they weren't able to test for EPO directly. Even when they, they started to understand EPO, um, they still weren't able to test for it directly. So what they did, um, and, and there's, a, there's a term uh, called hematocrit uh, levels. And they're, basically, it is sort of the percentage of red, red blood cells in your blood. Um, and... A normal person, their percentages are somewhere in the low 40s, give or take. Um, athletes like them are, are somewhere in the mid to upper 40s. And the way they started to test for EPO is they were testing for that hematocrit level because they could actually test that. So what they said was anybody who hits 50% or above is, is con- we know they're doping. Or that's, that's our proof they're doping. And they'll get pulled. So the... The guys who are um, doing this doping, their goal was to get to forty nine point <laughs> nine nine five or whatever, right? right? Like they were trying to get as close as they possibly could without actually tripping that over. Now, um, some guys got more benefit from it than others because, um, like I said, these guys are probably their 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 levels are in the mid forties. But if one guy is forty five and another guy is naturally you know naturally forty seven. If they both get pushed up to 49.9, the guy who had 45 is right. actually getting more benefit from it. Um, and so a guy like Lance, this actually, this is one of the reasons it helped him as much as it did. Um, so even among people who were doping, he was getting more of a help relative to some of his his rivals. Um, so when you have those sort of gains and especially in a race that is three weeks long and these guys are burning tens of thousands of calories a day, um, the ability to keep that level up to recover, um, becomes really important. And that's, that's one of the big helps with, uh, uh, big helping aspects of EPO is that it's not only that it allows these guys to, uh, push harder. It also allows them to recover better so they can do it again. And so that's why EPO was just this magic elixir for these guys and why they tried so hard to get it, you know, and get it the way they could and, you know, not get popped on the tests, you know. Um, and that's why there was a certain point in which uh, the, what they used to do is they knew, well, we were going to get tested somewhere in the first week of the race, somewhere in the last week of the race. And so what they do is they just spike their blood basically up, you know, up before the race and then, and then just sort of get it to where it would be below 50 by the time they were normally tested. Wow. Um, 
But then the, the 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 officials started coming in and testing them more frequently, and so that's when they started doing these sort of micro dosing doping where it's like they'd be hitting themselves with these little you know <laughs> smaller transfusions um and it just it was this constant game of cat and mouse um but that's i mean that's that's why those guys stayed uh relevant as long as they did and that's why they were able to push as hard as they could because frankly the tour de france is maybe the hardest sporting event in the world sure because they're doing three weeks it's night or it's uh 21 stages and they cover over 2000 miles and um you know the ability that those guys put themselves through hell and um and so it, any chance they have to do some some sort of doping like that that helps their chances they're going to take because everybody else was doing it as well so you said something interesting there that, that maybe I, I was unaware of. You said it helped Lance the most because he was able to make like the the, the largest, um, I guess, incremental gain to get to that threshold number. Um, would that have been the case pre-cancer, or does that mean basically after his body had deteriorated a bit, or I don't want to say deteriorated, but after he had gone through kind of the gruesome can- cancer um, scare? I mean, it, yeah. what, would it have been the same three years earlier when he was kind of a peak, you know, incredible specimen? Well, I, so I should I should walk that back one step just because um, it's been a, a while since I've read it, so I don't know that it helped Lance the most okay. def- definitively. Um, I know that he got a significant help from it, sure. but whether he was you know he got the number one most help out of anybody, I I don't I don't remember. Sure, that. sure, sure. Okay, but um, I, yeah. So uh, the main reason I brought that up is because I. I one of the common refrains you hear from people when they talk about this is, well, if everybody was doping, how was it, you know, how was it cheating or right. how was it helping? And I, right. I'm just trying to bring it to bring it up to bring up the point that it didn't help everyone equally. Sure. I got you. Okay. So, okay. um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know how much that would have impacted him pre-cancer as versus post-cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I never seen any sort of, uh, documentation one way or the other on that. So I don't I, know. I'm just curious because right, I think of like when I read Game of Shadows the first time and thought about the the whole Balco and steroids and baseball and Barry Bonds yeah. and Barry Bonds being obviously like an all star probably. I mean, it's hard to say now, but like a good potential Hall of Fame player before he really changed his body um, and yeah. became the home run machine. He he was just an unbelievable um, one of the best players in the league already. So it's like yeah. it, that was kind of my thought always was well, Lance was already this machine, and then you basically take you know doping and then the like you talked about the psychological alpha-ness you know that can yeah. that can hone that machine and he just gives him that extra you know whatever it is uh however many meters each stage that puts him up to the front um type of thing but i, I would be very curious it's and maybe they'll they'll get into that uh in in the second one but i am curious because uh, that was absolutely I, I loved what you just laid out there um but so now we know there's a second part coming we don't know what's going to be in it um mm-hmm. what would you love to see or what would you be disappointed if it wasn't in there like in the second what are you kind of guessing they're they're, they're going to cover in this next i don't know probably eight to twelve years of of the the lance uh drama yeah, I think, you know, my hope with any of these documentaries, and it's sort of one of the things I was I was a little disappointed about with the Jordan one, because he had final cut on it, right. um, is that they, they, you know, at the end of the day, The Last Dance was, uh, as much as anything, a view of Michael Jordan's years by Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, and so there are sort of some blind spots in there where, uh, where I, I would, would have preferred there not to be. So in that vein... Um, I think, um, or my my hope is that they really portray Lance as the 
incredibly complicated legacy he is. Um, like because he is simultaneously uh, one of the best cyclists in modern history. Uh, and he would have been with or without, if, if you took all the same guys and none of them were doping and mm. put them all on the course, he would have been one of the best then too. Um, so he's, he's one of the best cyclists in modern history, at least American cyclists in modern history. Um, he's also, uh, a terrible human, um, <laughs> in that he's, you know, the, the, uh, the way he went after people, um, and sort of the abuse he put people through both on his side and not, um, needs to be talked about. Um, and then he's also done all this work for cancer awareness and helping survivors. And like, you know, right. there's just, there's so many facets to the guy that it's like, you can't just dump him in good or bad, right? right. Like there's a lot, it's, there's a lot of different ways and he can be very good in some and very terrible in others. And he's just, I, I hope they really kind of showcase that and don't you know don't pull punches because um he deserved a lot of the scorn he got because um you know he he was he was an abusive person um in terms of his in terms of the relationships on the team i i'm not trying to speculate about what may or may not have happened in his you know personal life but um like there's there's a story from that tyler hamilton book where um they talk about how um they're in training for the tour, um, and they're in some of the, some of the more hectic portions that are training, and um, they have to maintain this very delicate balance of getting the right kind of calories and the right kind of nutrition, and also keeping their weight down because every extra pound is a pound they have to cart around that entire course, uh, and so there's you know there's a reason why all those guys well most of them are, are very lean athletes is because they're trying to trying to keep their weight down so that they're not pushing an extra five or ten pounds across the entirety of france um so when they're training they there's there's a lot of nutrition that goes on and sort of very advanced metrics and and there was one time that they were out for uh dinner and I forget if it was Lance's birthday or just some sort of special occasion. And, and so somebody, he, he ordered a slice of cake, which none of them got to do, right? Like that was, <laughs> that was basically, you know, you might as well have brought out cyanide pills if <laughs> instead. And so Lance goes out there and this is mind you after a day of very hard training and he's, he's at the dinner and he eats a slice of cake and then he goes and gets a second slice of cake and he eats that. <laughs> And then he gets a third. And all this time, his teammates are having to, one, watch him eat cake, which they are definitely not going to get any of. <laughs> Two, understand that he is going to have so much more energy than them tomorrow because of all these carbs he's getting into the system. <laughs> and three, that he is going to work their ass extra hard because he has to work off those three slices of cake. And he didn't give a damn. Like, he sat there in front of them and just ate it. And like... <laughs> He didn't, you know, he just would do stuff like that. It was these yeah. mind games that he would do. And so they went out the next day and he just buried them all because he's having to work off the cake he ate and wouldn't <laughs> let anybody have, you know, like it's just, <laughs> and it's, I mean, that's a, that's a fairly mundane example, but it's just the sort of, yeah. you know, the way he, he, he was, he was the unquestioned leader of the team. Um, and he also did not give a damn about anybody but himself. So... <laughs> Um, I hope they get into that, that stuff because, um, it's pretty fascinating. Um, 
I think given that they've got Tyler and they've got Hincapie and they've got uh, uh, Zabriskie and uh, Vandeveld on there, I think between them you're going to hear some horror stories in the next one. At least that's my hope. Yeah, interesting, man. I, that, that's a, that's such an interesting anecdote. It reminds me of, I don't know if you're a Succession fan, but it reminds me of uh, something Logan Roy would do, his, his bore on the floor game where he made the, uh, uh, to spoil anything if you haven't seen the show, but basically made his, his employees... Um, I'll just leave it at this. It's a very cerebral and cutthroat and, and, and just it defies that human level where you're like, ah, I need to pull back. I can't uh, do this. But there's a certain like it, it tells a story about a person's psyche when they truly can look someone else in the eye and just do something that they know that person can't do. Um, and they yeah. know why that person can't do it. And it's because of who they are. Um, yeah. It just just the like cerebral, you know, wheels within wheels that it takes to to do that. But anyways. Um, all right. So that's I think that's that's great. Like, I think that's a really good um, comparison. The only thing I, th- I can think, you know, to, to, to wrap it up on that specifically is, you know, you, you referenced it a couple times, right? This is kind of, I've been calling them the HBO Sunday night specials now in, in this uh, times of, uh, you know, no real live sports. So you can get deep into the Bundesliga, which is now back or, uh, you know, Korean baseball, but uh, without a, a, a plethora mm. of live sports, it, it has kind of become our, our national, you know, Sunday night football or game of the week or whatever, where we all come around and watch right. uh, these. First, it was the last dance in this. Um, I mean, do you have any thoughts about the format or just, again, compare, comparing basically um, what they've done with last dance, what they'll do with this, and the next two that are announced are, you know, the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire kind of summer uh, of home runs and the uh, really interesting looking uh, Bruce Lee 30 for 30. What, what do you think about this, this little series, this little spot, uh, and what is ESPN is doing? You know, um, I, I, it's sort of a mixed bag, right? Like, I, I, I'm glad that these things are being put out. I'm glad that we're getting to see them. I, I'm glad that they pushed some of them up to, mm. you know, fill some time. Um, but I can't help but think that uh, they have such a catalog of old sporting events, classic ones or, you know, under-the-radar ones that it feels like they should be putting more old sports on. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, if you could think about... Uh, like I know the ACC network, for example, has been doing some, you know, they, they'll take like a school a day or something and they'll, they'll play like the, you know, here's, here's the best, you know, Virginia basketball games of the last few years and, you know, th- that kind of thing. And that's yeah. cool. I think, you know, when you have a, uh, a library, the likes of which ESPN does from all of its properties, they could go pretty deep into some interesting stuff. Um, and, and I, um, I wish they would have say set aside like ESPNU to do that with um I mean they're doing it a some like I see a lot of random ass lacrosse on the, on the <laughs> yeah yeah on the channel yeah. um and I like that they they bring up some of the old Ocho stuff that they've done That's like they've got a, yeah. yeah they've got a lot of uh, uh, options out there um I, maybe I'm just a little sore because it, they seem to be really good at playing uh, famous Texas basketball losses yeah. during the Durant era. You know, like that seems to be, you know, like I, I have yet to see them play that, uh, the the uh, Texas, Texas A&M game where he and AC Law went at it. Beautiful. But damn if I haven't seen the, the, the loss to Kansas in the Big 12 championship right. game like a billion times. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it. I like that they're doing these. It's, it's good that they're doing them. Um, I'm glad they have the sort of catalog to, to do these or, or they have the, you know, the resources to put these documentaries out there. Um, I just hope that they, uh, they're 
sort of uh, intellectually honest with the output of them, right? Like I don't, Fair. I don't want a, you know, uh, a Lance career resurrection story. Yeah. I want Lance with all of his pros and cons, yep. and the, you know, same thing with the Sosa and McGuire thing. Um, yep. I would love to see them do something about Bonds or something like that. You know, just there's so many interesting stories that you know either were huge at the time or maybe there was the didn't get quite their due because of some you know larger issue going on at the time or something that yeah. they could really go in deep on um i just don't know that i trust espn to have sort of uh emotional honesty as their top priority so. oh I, I i agree i think the warts and all approach of espn has kind of faded in the past few years this is actually the most i've probably watched espn that wasn't a specific sport uh in in months if not years um I, i've you know ESPN, if you want to hire me, we could, I could come fix it for you. But, uh, you know, not to badmouth the mothership of sports. <laughs> come be a part here. of the machine. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, I really have been, you know, I've waned in my consumption on them. But, uh, but yeah, I, I kind of, I certainly agree with you. I, I'll say this. Um, I watched the whole Last Dance, and then I read Wright Thompson's article about Michael Jordan after um, all of the episodes. And I'm not sure if, if you're a fan of his or if you've read the piece, um, but it's probably a about, you know, depending how fast of a reader you are, uh, the length roughly of an episode uh, of okay. one of those, you know, it'd probably take you anywhere from 40 to an hour uh, to, to, to get through it because it, it's lengthy. Sit down, settle in. But I thought that single piece told more about the person, the human, the roots that created all of the, you know, the Michael Jordan base for all the, you know, myth and, 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 uh, you know, hero making to happen. I thought that was almost more informative and more worth my time. And again, I, I enjoyed the last dance series, but that single piece. So as long as the, if they do that balance, right, if you're, if you're giving, you know, Michael's side and then not that this was anyway, an anti or an opposite, but then filling in some of the gaps, telling some more of the whole story, giving again, like I said, a warts and all, uh, approach. And maybe, maybe that is how they kind of balance. Not that they'll be consumed at the same rate, but at least offer it. Um, yeah. Then I think that's great, and I think it's a great chance for them as a multimedia company to showcase. Look, we have brilliant writers and and you know people who make brilliant you know films or uh, documentaries as well. Um, so I mean, hopefully, like you said, they flex their uh, their muscles in in the correct way. I'll just say one thing though about that AC Law game. I was there in person. One of my favorite uh, favorite games of all time. My best friend went to A and M, and it was how in the nascent days of Facebook, I got him to one month. Uh, bet to the other person had to wear uh, in their Facebook profile picture the the other school's color. So my Aggie friend Mario got to rock uh, a burnt orange Longhorn shirt for for a month as his Facebook nice. picture. Thanks to Kevin Durant uh, yeah. on that on that day. But uh, but yeah, I would love that game. The Oklahoma State uh, Kevin Durant. Any any there's a couple um, fantastic from 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 that era. Um, I, I really wish they that uh, CBS would. And, and they seem hell-bent on never showing this again, uh, that they never show the Jacobin Brown game in Lawrence. Yeah. They never, they don't show it. Like, yeah. you can see, that they showed, uh, I found the Durant uh, game in Lawrence uh, where he was just lighting them up until he t- turned his ankle. Uh, that was, uh, I found that on YouTube. But, man, that Jacobin Brown game is just, yeah. it's, I, I'm, I swear there is some Kansas booster paying CBS like a hundred thousand dollars a year to never show that game. Cause I haven't, I haven't seen it in, I mean, probably nine years now cause it's nowhere. And that I would, I would kill to have a copy of that. And that was the game. I think, wasn't it like a, like a, 
like a 70 game home game win streak that the Texas snapped by winning on Kansas home court. Is that the game you're talking about? It's well, it's still the only time Texas has won in Lawrence. Yeah. They've never won before or since. Yeah. Wow. They, they got really close last year. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Snoop Roach. It's yeah. So mad. I'm still so mad about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, Jace uh, we, would have made that three. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's a game I'd really like to see. I, I really want to want to watch that Jacobin game again because I mean it's not just him, right? Like the whole team was it did well. It's just you know it propelled he, his legend. It's why we yeah. still talk about him. That and he had a, he had a good tournament run, but they, it's why we still we still talk about you know him as as an all time uh, right. guy. You know, just a, a guy we love. I, I agree with that. No, let's get you given in the ear of the Longhorn Network. We should be able to air. You know, we have our own network for God's sake. We should be able to uh, to air some of this. So I I, I told you um, that I before the show had a surprise um, for you, and I, I I like to if our longtime listeners will know whenever we have guests on, like to prep them for kind of the general content, but I always keep a curveball uh, at the end ready to go. So. Um, this is going blind and I won't give too much um, parameters here to allow your creativity to, to shine. Um, but, okay. but Lance Armstrong, you know, Austin icon, um, you know, we, I do have one personal anecdote of him. Um, basically almost you're with me leathering a girl at a bar uh, in Austin. Nice. And, and she was a friend of mine and said she rejected him, um, which I still think, you know, I don't know if she made the right call, but um Lance has dated some some high profile women for various lengths of time, um, and so whatever metric you want to use to rank these, and I'm not going to include uh, women he was actually married to because you know that's just that's in poor taste. But the celebrities that he dated that he did not end up married to include Tory Burch, Ashley Olsen of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen fame, Kate Hudson, and Cheryl Crow. So with those four, I forgot about Ashley Olsen. <laughs> with those four, can you rank for me? The uh, the definitive Lance Armstrong dated celebrity list. Well, he was what does didn't he get married to Cheryl Crow or were they just they, in a relationship for a long time? Engaged, never married. Engaged. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I'd probably have to go. Kate Hudson, Cheryl Crow. Uh, I, I don't know who the first person was. Tori Birch is a famous uh, designer. I think also lives in Austin or, or has for a time. Um, women's shoes, purses, whatever, whatever. She's quite, quite rich um, and, and very notorious. She's also a good-looking good looking woman. I'll, I'll give you a pass then. If you don't know her, we Hang can... Hang on, I'm, I'm looking her up. Okay. <laughs> um, wow, he really has a type. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Um yeah, I will definitely put her ahead of Ashley Olsen because <laughs> those those twins are just creepy. There, there's, um, there's something odd about the 15 year gap between him and and the Olsen twins. I mean, you know, it's it's hardly unprecedented. Uh, <laughs> men going after women significantly younger. Uh, it's just I I like uh, John Oliver's bit where he's convinced that there's actually only one Olsen. Um, and that there, it's just this is an elaborate ploy um, for, for them to pretend they're twins, but it's actually the same person. That's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, I guess that would be my my, my rankings. All right, I'll take it. I'll take Hudson, it. Hudson, Hudson, Crow, Birch, Olson. That's good. Maybe I, put 
birch i had old crow yeah probably. all right well, okay all right there so there's go. there's some you know hit us up uh listeners hit us with the, our the replies of texas uh tweet at us and let us know your thoughts on the definitive uh one through four ranking there so that's uh that's all we have for this week we're going to be coming uh with a thursday show where we will probably uh touch a little of the kind of goings on news this week and finish out our our rushmore's series um well i've got you on actually this would be this would be a great thing to discuss because i feel like you understand texas basketball quite well and you did you did respond to our uh, our rushmore there i'm trying to go back and, and recall our, our for sure final four that we uh that we went with i believe uh it was durant obviously tj ford we went slater martin in the three spot and then uh we left the the four spot open and left it open to the readers to vote between lasalle thompson rick barnes no, we did not include Barnes. Sal Thompson, Ron Baxter, Terrence Wrencher, and Travis Mays. And Travis Mays actually took the the fourth spot uh, on our Mount Rushmore. And again, it's you're your ranking fours here. Do you do you do you think the us plus uh, the the listeners got it right? So let me uh, let me pull that up. Hang on a second, because I, <laughs> I I'm pretty sure I answered that. But let me let me look. You did. You threw you threw some some good ones in. I, if I remember correctly, I think you may have had LaSalle in that fourth spot, which, which, uh, yeah, I had LaSalle, TJ, Katie and Slater Martin. Okay. There you go. That, that was, that was my four. And then I gave honorable mention to, uh, PJ Tucker, Chris Mim, Damian James and Travis Mays. So that's an interesting thing. Both you and, and Gerald and I all, all said that LaMarcus Aldridge, while one of our favorites and, 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 and inevitably unarguably successful NBA career doesn't crack the UT Mount Rushmore in your case, yeah, the honorable mention. I had so I, I had like a an also considered, and Lamarcus was in there. Okay, but the, so the also considered was DJ Augustine, Jonathan Holmes, Chris Clack, Terrence Wrencher, Lamarcus Aldridge, Lance Blanks, Joey Wright, and BJ Tyler. Nice. Okay, I mean you, you've hit most of the. Uh... Most of the legends there. We we, we had a, a pretty robust show and discussion, and we found that we both argued. I think I had LaSalle on mine, um, and I think Gerald may have had Mays, and we argued the, the merits of each looking at, you know, awards one, stats, stats relative yeah, to Yeah, I mean, time. you know, LaSalle was sort of, uh, I don't know, LeBron in the early years of Cleveland, of Texas back then, because yeah. they were pretty bad, and yeah. he was clearly the best guy on the team. Um, <laughs> he's... You know, I think that was during the Wetlick years, if I remember right. Um, and boy, was if you thought Shaka's tenure was bad, uh, you should <laughs> you should go check out Bob Wetlick's uh, tenure. Um, that was that was terrible. Um, yeah, so that's I, I, you know, you sort of have to take on faith the Slater Martin thing because I mean, clearly sure. he was good because he you know he helped him to a final four he was he was in the nba for a few years but i got no video of the guy and i right. think back then they were they were dribbling like they like they weren't allowed to touch it with their pinky you yeah. know like it was so it's it's just sort of a such a different time back then that um i it's it's more a nod to his sort of place in history as opposed to i, I don't know how good he was i mean i'm sure he was good for the time yeah i just don't have Anything other than random stats on a web page to look at. Right. And I think for him too, one of the stats that was interesting is he was like a really like good ran the offense, like um kind of I don't know if he ran played point guard, but basically ran the offense through him. But I believe mm. he was pre 
like they recording uh, assist as an official statistic so that he don't yeah. have really good numbers or at least career numbers. Um, and if, and so he was a, like a pass first kind of uh, facilitator, but he's still yeah. just looking at his scoring numbers at the time registers as being, you know, that good. So I think like, for, obviously I can't, there's no way for the same as you, for me to, to watch tape, grind tape on him and, and verify that, you know, it does yeah. seem like if the guy was a, was a pass first guy, but his scoring numbers were like 20 points a game, you know, that, that feels like, you know, probably pretty good and, and obviously translated uh, to the NBA as well. So you got to give it to him for the, for the legacy at least. But, sure. uh, but yeah, I, I, I just, I found these doing these Rushmore's really interesting because there's some sports that it's like you instantly have six, seven, eight guys off the top of your head. You do a little research, dig into the books. All of a sudden, you know, four guys who you like, you remember being good or even great, but maybe they didn't initially crack, but then you start looking at their stats and comparing them and it ends up pushing some people up higher when you try to be objective about it and take your own bias of when I was in school and I loved this guy uh, out of it. And it becomes a really interesting uh, discussion and conversation. I, I found because it wasn't my era, but I look back at it and the stats make them really hard to separate that all of the BMW guys, like it's hard to pick one because you had three really good yeah. players, right? So it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, sometimes maybe a LaSalle Thompson gets a bump because he was the guy and he had to carry the team and do everything. I don't know, but it, it, it's an interesting conversation. It makes good for the no live sports days uh, to have something yeah. to talk about and get people arguing about something, which, you know, I always <laughs> love to do. So, Right, um, and you can find some of those BMW games uh, on YouTube. They've yeah. got a, they've got a handful of them. So um, there's actually the there was a game where Texas played LSU and Shaq was a freshman, and both teams easily cracked 100 points. They were just going up and down the court. Nice. Um, so you can you can see Shaq when he was. I don't know, 150 pounds lighter than he is now. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, he's he he looks more like. I mean, he's not Giannis, but he's he's pretty slender. Sure, um, and uh, he's still dunking everything. Um, but yeah, that's that's a fun game to go watch if you're interested. So you can kind of compare eras and get some sense of the the difference in pace back then and that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, we'll if we'll see if we can find uh, find a good one and, and tweet it out after the show and uh, give folks something to you know spend their their waning quarantine days uh, watching some UT stuff until we get live sports back. All right, so that's. That's it. That's all I have. I promise. No more. Uh, I won't. I won't, uh, won't. Won't hit you with any more surprises. But uh, you've been a great sport, and uh, folks probably hearing this want to go find the rest of your content. So where can they find you on the internet? Well, when there is sports, uh, I'm on Mark and Carnival. Uh, otherwise, I am a a, uh, a sacrilegious overtweeter on Twitter. <laughs> um, uh, it's sort of just just fair warning that. Uh, you know, you're drinking from the fire hose when you when you follow me. Um, so uh, that's there's that. Uh, we also during basketball season have uh, our basketball podcast, uh, Pretend We're Football, which is on you know uh, just about every streaming platform you can find: Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, those those are the places to find me. Fantastic. Well, that sounds good, and we'll have to uh, we'll have to get you on when we have some basketball specific stuff to uh, to talk about or create a reason to to get you back on because it's been it's been fun. Love to do it again. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.